0: Are you satisfied with your understanding of sustainability? If not, like me, imagine a journey together, a pluralistic one with innovators, startup, academia, NGO, all together, looking for solution to the greatest challenge of our time. I'm Samuel Lettini, and this is The Sustainability Journey. Welcome to another episode. And today we will discuss an important theme, a theme that we have touched, and that, that is really important we will discuss the role of women we will discuss the innovation and we will discuss entrepreneurship and we do it with an expert a recognized expert she's an assistant professor of entrepreneurship and innovation at the escp business school and she's also the ceo and founder of nampelka thank you so much alisa for being here
1: thank you so much for inviting me i'm very glad and honored to be here with you thank you
0: alisa you are an expert you are a professor so you know already you come with the academic standard and also the work that you do with entrepreneurship space but as usual we ask our guest who is alisa what is your journey
1: (laughs) very good question i also ask myself who is alisa (laughs) but i kind of get closer and closer to that by getting older so um, who's Alisa? So actually, I'm this, let's say, crazy German uh, woman that is in love with Italy because I'm now already nine years in uh, Milan. I have come from, let's say, selling cigarettes uh, during my bachelor degree in Hamburg to uh, studying and doing my PhD in entrepreneurship and focusing on entrepreneurship in developing economies and more precisely in the African context. And that is why I'm still here and that is why I'm kind of this bridge among working in the university context. So being part of the academic world, creating knowledge and expertise while trying to give it back as much as possible as an entrepreneur and supporting women in Africa.
0: Wonderful. So it's really a change maker and I really like a bridge. And being a bridge, and especially with your focus in Africa from your research and work. Can you tell about entrepreneurship innovation, especially in the continent? Which are the challenges and opportunities?
1: There are plenty of challenges, but on the other side, there are also luckily a lot of uh, opportunities. But we can start by looking at some uh, challenges that I do believe that are the most uh, relevant ones. Of course, we can see that if we look at Africa really as a context and we also know that we uh, There is a big diversity, and so it's very difficult to see always uh, Africa as a big continent. We need to also look at the local and national level. But if we try to be, let's say, as a broader scope, um, I do believe that, of course, political instability is one of the important elements, that, especially when it comes to entrepreneurship and innovation. That the framework, the environment in which you are embedded as an entrepreneur has a strong impact on how easy it is because by default, um, let's say, in any case, we have a lot of uncertainty that we need to face as entrepreneurs. If it is increased and even, uh, let's say, fortified due to uh, political instability, it gets even more challenging, let's say, to uh, perform this entrepreneurial adventure. But for me, uh, a last element that I really would like to highlight, because I think it's becoming more and more important and more relevant also in the last days and weeks, is the fact that how much uh, some specific African countries are actually influenced by natural disasters, that in another way, we as the, let's say, again, put it as the cluster, we as the Western world, the more developed countries, we have kind of develop this, uh, in a way, disaster due to our emissions that we create. And for me, that would be definitely one of the biggest challenges, I guess, because I've just heard that, for instance, Kenya might be one of the countries that is more hit by natural disasters that are evoked by those, uh, let's say, emissions that we create, but they only more or less have one up to 2% as a contribution of the worldwide global emissions. So there's a huge gap, which means there have not been the let's say um providers and the engine for such a scenario but those are the ones that are suffering maybe the most and that is of course not fair and that is definitely a one big challenge because we don't know what will happen and it brings a lot of uncertainty even more uncertainty which is then, of course, something more challenging for entrepreneurship. But of course, not looking always on the, let's say, bad sides, because as part of being in the entrepreneurial spirit, we always want to take those challenges into opportunities. So for me, one big thing that I have, I think, experienced, especially in the first interviews I have done back in 2015, it was for me an eye-opener, because typically uh, in entrepreneurship, we always start with finding a problem. Not finding, but seeing, identifying, perceiving a problem, saying, wow, we want to solve this problem. And those solutions are actually representing our new idea that we can develop. And teaching it in Italy, teaching it in Europe, I see that so many students actually struggle a lot to find problems that are worth solving. And then I came in 2015 to Kenya for the first time. And one of the first interviews, the entrepreneurs were telling me, Alisa, but open your eyes. If you're just five minutes around here and going to Kibera, one of the biggest slums in Nairobi, you see million of problems. We have another problem. We have too many problems. We don't have enough time and resources to actually solve it. And that was for me kind of this eye-opener to say, in the end, if you are, let's say, very passionate about entrepreneurship, I feel that uh, a context of developing economies and Africa, such as Kenya, are of course, part of it, you have kind of a wonderful playground (laughs) to start a new business because there are so many problems that are definitely, oh, they need to be resolved. So in this case, uh, I do believe that this is a really, really big, important, uh, let's say opportunity, especially for entrepreneurship and innovation. And another last element that I would like to add on the opportunity side is especially kind of already starting to connect it to the part about technology. I do believe that in some ways, as they're still in the developing phase, they can learn from the, let's say, mistakes that we have done in Europe or in the US, and they can leapfrog some phases, some scenarios, so they don't need to create exactly what we have done. There's no need to exactly do the same development phase. So that is why I also do believe there is a great opportunity of learning from mistakes that already other countries have done and just kind of jumping over and going to more, I don't know, let's say digital infrastructure, et cetera. And good examples are, of course, mobile payment, uh, such as the big success case of M-Pesa in Kenya, for instance.
0: Wonderful, wonderful discussion and wonderful analysis. Since you have discussed this, and before we are going now funneling down to the entrepreneurship and the work that you have done in Africa, You mentioned the technology and we know you have published a lot and your research is a lot about this. So we want to ask a sneak peek on your findings and work that's at your academic. So about especially the potential of new technology and the case of blockchain.
1: From my perspective, I was very curious about understanding um, the application and the power of blockchain, because if we just simply look at, let's say, the use and application of that technology, And again, I'm a management person, so not a tech person. So I only look at the application of this technology. I think it's very fascinating to see that due to blockchain, it is more transparent. You can trace a certain chain and you can avoid a third party that needs to be the intermediate. So in this case, as we combine it with one severe problem that we face, especially in developing economies, which is corruption, for instance, which of course is another big challenge for doing some entrepreneurial journeys, of course, in this case, my first thought was like, wow, blockchain seems like a wonder weapon, because in this case, we kind of can avoid the issue of corruption because when we put every information on a blockchain system it's transparent we can trace it no one can in a way touch it and there is even no need to have a third party as an intermediary so we can even make this whole uh, let's say exchange and process more efficient because we completely exclude one third party that could add in a way this risk and effect of corruption but uh, let's say Things are, of course, not that easy if you really want to see it in practice. And what happened as part of our research that we are still doing because it's a longitudinal study and we really want to observe the whole development of an ecosystem that supports um, blockchain as a solution. We have noticed as a first thing that if we want to use blockchain as a technology that really can solve big, severe issues that are at an institutional level, such as corruption, and one example could be there was a startup, for instance, that has tried to put the registration of land upon a blockchain because there are always issues that there is no registration, who owns the land, there is, I don't know, you try to write someone, you play the money card and maybe documents, they just got changed. So there was this part of saying like, wonderful, we can put the information up to a blockchain. That's great, but if we want to put A centralized problem, such as this uh, issue of putting the land registration upon a blockchain system, it's about who puts which type of information inside the blockchain. So the private sector, as as individual entrepreneurs, we can provide a wonderful and really, um, let's say, transparent and trustful solution. But we need the help of a government, of a centralized institution that helps us having, let's say, clean data set that we can put upon the blockchain. If that is not happening, we can even have a wonderful uh, transparent blockchain system, but the information that got that is kind of a dilemma because in the end, if we want to use blockchain, we are coming back to the point that we need to have a strong collaboration among the government and the political system to really ensure that they are part of the game and they want to really solve this. So it cannot be the solution that we say, ah, wonderful, we have institutional problems, we have entrepreneurs in the private sector that can solve it and they can do it alone. That is not working. If we want to use blockchain as a really strong powerful instrument and action we need to have this discussion and conversation with the political sector and they need to be supportive on finding ways to improve let's say those systems and there are a lot of different let's say examples of application that can really be helpful but again we need to work all together and that is why it is so interesting to look at it from an ecosystem perspective because just looking at entrepreneurs and tech guys, it's not enough. It's not the solution, unfortunately. Otherwise, it could be faster and easier.
0: Definitely. That is the complexity of the wicked problem. So, you know, it is not. there is no magic wand and the technology that solves everything. And, you know, and once somebody arrives a new technology as the solution, uh, it is more complex on the social grounds, as you have discussed with the many actors and many interactions. And really to foster development and work, and especially women in the African continent, you have also taken another journey from your continuing of, of, from the academic of also now the entrepreneurship one as the founder of Nampelka. Can you explain about it? And then, you know, also start with the name. What does it mean Nampelka?
1: Of course, so starting by the name, as you said, so yes, Nampelka comes from the indigenous language Mapuche, which comes from Chile and Argentina because The initial phase and starting point was more in the context of Latin America. So we are focused on the idea of using an indigenous language and the word Nampe Café means traveler. We said, oh, that's a little bit too close to the word coffee and people might get a little bit, uh, let's say, confused about it. So we just simply deleted a few letters in the end, uh, but keeping, let's say, the main word and, of course, the meaning, which stands for traveling, because with Nampelka, we always want to be in a journey to explore and to discover. And what do we want to explore and discover? We want to see wonderful, and we want to meet wonderful individuals, entrepreneurs that want to maintain and showcase cultural elements that are part of their daily life, and especially from the specific context they are coming from.
0: Wonderful. It's, it's really something that is really an impact. And I'm sure from your journeys, which is also part of our journey, the sustainability journey. So we are all walking. I want to ask, can you share some success stories with us of your work?
1: So with Nampeka, what we want to do now is we want to focus to create in the future, equal opportunities for female entrepreneurs, because we know from a lot of statistics that if we really want to create sustainable development, yes, entrepreneurship is a strong element, But especially in the context of Africa, it is even more interesting to look at women and support women to build up their businesses and especially getting them from an informal stage in which they produce some buttercreams or whatever, cosmetics, bags, uh, items, whatever they do in their kitchen or in their home to get them actually into a phase which is scaling up their businesses and trying to transform it into an SME how we want to do that we are creating a community so connecting female entrepreneurs from Kenya so we start in Kenya with international businesswomen that have complementary skills so we try to put them in together into a six-month program they work in a charmer Charma is the word coming from, again, the Kenyan culture and stands for informal groups and communities that are helping each other. And in this way, we create digital charmas in which one female entrepreneur is connected to a so-called enabler. And they have complementary skills, so they're working both on one specific objective, which is connected to scaling up their business, and they're sharing their experience, their knowledge, their competences, their contacts, in order to really have a customized support for the women that are trying to scale up their businesses. And this is really exciting and fascinating because it is not easy and we need to overcome this part about getting into a traditional mentor mentee role or student and teacher role in which everyone is like someone is taking a lot and the other one is giving a lot and that's not what we want to do we really want to create equal relationships so putting everyone at the same level and it's always about giving and taking at the same time because from my personal experience I know that those women that are starting their businesses in Kenya or in other African countries, they have so many insights, experiences, and expertise to give to us that I have learned a lot. And this is exactly what we try also as experience a change in this digital charmer with Nampelka. And coming to one specific success story is basically, we have done so far one first prototyping in which we have created a three digital chamas. And one of the charmers is with Shiku, she is the founder of Kirembo and She produces Kiondos with a lot of women from the rural villages out of Nairobi. And she has worked together with Roberta. Roberta uh, just got retired. She has been a business lady in Italy for a long time. She has made a lot of experience with the Asian countries, but she has never been in Africa and she has no clue about the Kenyan and or African culture. So they have worked together. And as a success out of the six months in which they have worked together is to see they've worked on Chikus, personal perception about herself as being a leader and or being an entrepreneur because she has not herself identified as a leader because she had this very traditional perspective of if you're a leader you are bossy you want the other that they do and follow your orders and she has not this type of leadership style. So by working only, let's say, on her personal perception of herself, in the end, the results that we can see now after these six months, is very fascinating because she has started to really reshape her business model. She has made big decisions of um, completely changing her distribution channels. So she is now focusing on pop-up stores. She has a lot of hotels in Nairobi in which she is selling her products. She has changed a lot the relationship with her suppliers and customers because herself feels more and more confident in her role as a leader as someone who is trying to build up her business. So we see a lot of great, uh, let's say, consequences out of the work that we have done in the six months.
0: Wonderful example. And we'll see, we will see you know, how this evolves and maybe we can we give a follow up. As now you have given us the broader uh, spectrum and some example of what I know many people that are listening there might say, wow, which are the tips that a professor and a successful entrepreneur can give us, uh, especially if we are in the emerging markets?
1: Yes, so tips and tricks that I can provide, which is of course always challenging um, because in a way someone might be biased, but I try and then of course everyone can see if it makes sense, yes or no for the specific situation. What we see from both sides, from some studies that we have already done plus also my personal experience is especially in emerging markets one of the strong challenges is the part about whenever you start a business the perception of others especially employees is always you are the good one you're the successful one you need to provide me uh, help support financial support if I'm in difficulty so the perspective is kind of They expect a lot for maybe not doing a lot. So you really need to be careful in selecting with whom you would like to work. And you need to find a way how to create a trustful relationship in which, again, it's always about giving and taking at the same time to really say, I care about what we do here together, but it's all about we need to commit ourselves and then of course it's also we get a return back but it's really something in which we need to have a trustful relationship because we come from an environment in which again corruption is daily business and people might disappear they might not respond they might come late so building up an environment in your mini micro level of startup and new venture I think one of the first most important elements is really the culture in which you work with the different stakeholders, such as employees at the beginning. And I think one of the keys uh, to success is within the idea of building up trust. How you can build up trust? This is, of course... A lot depending on your specific context country business sector and also your own personality that you need to find a way how to be trustful but i feel this is one of the things that especially also with nampelka it helps a lot because yes we trust each other and we share our thoughts in an open way and this helps a lot in order to overcome challenges that always happen like uh, power blackout and so on people not joining (laughs) So this is really, really helpful at the beginning. And another thing, um, it's whenever you start a business, I think you also need to focus yourself on training your staff and your colleagues. It's a lot of exchange, let's say your expertise and your know-how because typically you might come in a context in which you don't find maybe the person with exactly the skills that you're searching for but again try to find a trustful person that is committed to the vision that you have that is committed to learn a lot and to put herself or himself into let's say this adventure and then your focus even if your business is not connected to anything about education, training, and so on. I think one big important part, whenever you do business and start a new business in the emerging markets, you are in a way an educator by default because you need to provide, uh, let's say to your staff, to your colleagues, to key stakeholders, this, uh, let's say, support to, to get to a level and exchange knowledge and create knowledge together. So those are the two elements, trust and I think training and knowledge exchange that are really important no matter in which area and which business sector you want to start your own business, your own journey in the emerging markets.
0: Wonderful tips. I think those are crucial, especially for entrepreneurs and innovators that are listening to us. And as the last question before our final message, from your observatory and your research, you have uh, an extensive work. We read about a lot about the 21st century being the African century. What is your perspective as an academic, a practitioner
1: on that very interesting question i kind of took a deep breath because it is for me personally not easy to answer to that question on the one hand i strongly believe that the whole continent and context of africa of course will increase in part of its relevance because we have numbers that are showing, we have an increase of population, we have an increase of purchasing power in different countries. So, of course, they will become more and more relevant and important because they have a bigger slice, let's say, of the whole cake when it comes to the worldwide economy. Plus, they have also very interesting natural resources that we also know currently when it comes to the topic of gas, et cetera. They're becoming more and more interesting also for the, let's say, uh, European, and Western context. But without entering too much, of course, into political topics, considering all those elements, yes, I do believe that we definitely have, uh, let's say, insights to see a trend that uh, Africa becomes more and more relevant and important. If we can kind of come to the conclusion that it will be the African century and we need to exclude, again, other developing economies, I don't know, because personally, I'm very convinced and I strongly believe in inclusion, especially when we think about big global topics that we need to solve in the future and again we're coming back to the whole topic about climate change for instance we are all all sitting at the same table because it's one world it's one planet and we cannot exclude any country we all need to be included in that conversation so that is why i actually do hope that the next century is more a century of being inclusive seeing the world as it is and trying as much as possible to include every country that is part of our wonderful planet to really see that we are all at the same level and to give a seat at the whole table to every country that is within our let's say global community because we need everyone if we really want to take a big global issues that come up in the future.
0: And thank you so much, Alisa. You know, the togetherness. One of the episodes before yours was about the whole world is one family. And that is exactly why also we are trying to bring forward the voices of change makers like you to solve the solution, uh, to solve the problem with the solution, innovative solution for our planet. And I want to ask the last, our last question, which is your final message to the audience?
1: Be curious, Um, again, very difficult to have one last statement, but for me it is really about be curious because only the curiosity can be the engine for coming up with new ideas and being able to challenge the current status quo. And I strongly believe that we are all not happy and satisfied with the current status quo. We all agree on the fact that we definitely need to have a better world in the future. So we need to be curious to be able to learn and coming up with ideas about how we can turn this world into a better version of it. So that is why for me, the starting point is really about be curious, make questions, make challenging questions and just never give up of saying like, I just accept how things are, No, be curious and try to understand what are the reasons behind it, how we can improve it, make a lot of questions. That is for me the big important statement that I would like to share in the end.
0: Thank you so much, Alisa. It has been a wonderful episode full of insights. It has been an honor to have you on the sustainability journey. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, it was really nice.
0: Are you satisfied after this wonderful episode? Let's continue together our sustainability journey. Oh,